thank you, ladies, for leading us in that song of worship, reflecting on who God is because of who you are. Lord, we give you glory this morning. Well, we are starting this series called In His Name as we look at the names of God throughout Scripture, how God reveals himself to us through revealing to us his name. So we're going to look at one of those names this morning. Um, so at the welcome time, I was supposed to go to the announcement video at the end of my welcome, but then I said, Arthur, come up and lead us in worship. So some, at some point in the service, we're going to have to go to the announcement video. Uh, but let me remind you once again, tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, we'll have our time of worship and communion together. So join us at 6 o'clock. Join us online uh, on our church online platform. You can find that through our website or through our church app. If you don't have our church app, uh, I want to encourage you to download that. If you guys can throw that app, uh, the screen, the, the title slide for the church app. Just want to let you know, uh, if you download the app, you can follow along with our sermon notes. You can also go back and watch past sermons. We just wrapped up a series on the book of Philippians as we looked at how God encourages, encourages us to take our next step in following him. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I forget what's behind me and I press forward into what lies ahead to the calling that God has placed on my life. And, and so we looked at taking our next step. So you can check all that out on our church app. And today we start a new series called In His Name. Knowing, knowing names is a powerful thing. My first name is Jeremy. Some of you didn't know that. My first name is Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Dustin Janney, and I go by Dustin. I've gone by Dustin my whole life. My parents chose to give me a first name that was totally irrelevant to my existence. So every year at the beginning of school, when the teacher would call out the role, they would say, Jeremy, and I would say, no, it's actually Dustin, and that's me. And all my friends would laugh because they knew, you know, that I, that I was Dustin and not Jeremy. And in fact, anytime someone calls me by the name Jeremy, I know that they don't really know me. Usually it's a telemarketer who somehow has my, uh, hey, Jeremy, and I say, no, wrong number. <laughs> right, because names tell you about somebody, and if you know me, then, then you know that I'm Dustin. My wife, she sometimes calls me Dus, but y'all aren't, aren't allowed to call me that, just her. When I was a kid, my dad would call me Dustbo. That was my nickname for, with my dad. He still calls me that sometimes too. Once again, he's allowed, please don't call me that. <laughs> right, but, but names are, uh, cause us to be familiar with people. In fact, a lot of times if you know somebody's name, so you just learned something about me. If you didn't know, now you know I'm Jeremy Dustin Janney. And so now you know something a little more about me than you probably knew when you came in here this morning. I always love to learn people's middle names because, you know, you, you discover something else about them or maybe their first name if they, if they go by their middle name. I, I try to remember names and I, I do my best and, and I, sometimes I forget, um, but I try to remember names because names are important. Names matter. When, when people call us by our name, that's, it, it's meaningful, it's powerful, it, it matters, so God reveals his names to us all throughout Scripture. And, and the more we understand his names, the more we understand who he is, the more we know about him, 
And the more we understand who he is and the more we know him, the more we grow to understand him and love him, trust him. So I want us to read some scripture this morning that just talks about God's name. We're not going to look at specific names yet. I, we're just going to talk about the name of the Lord. And so the way I want to do it is I want to ask you to stand up with me and read these scriptures aloud with me. We're just going to read about six verses, so stand up. They'll be on the screen so we can follow along together. But I want you to read these scriptures with confidence and emphasis as we look at what God's word has to say about the names of God. So the first verse is Proverbs 18.10. Read this with me this morning. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are protected. Read this with me from Matthew chapter 6. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Acts 4 says this in verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Here's what Matthew 28, 19 says. Read it with me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Exodus chapter 20 says, one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Just reminding us of the preciousness and holiness of the name of God. And then read this last verse with me, and let's praise him together. Psalm 34, verse 3, proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. So, Lord, this morning as we study your names, as we exalt your name, be honored in this place. And, God, draw us closer to who you are so that we can understand you and trust you and follow you and love you more. Speak to us through your powerful, mighty word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. Well, the first name of God that we're gonna look at this morning is the first name of God recorded in scripture. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the name, the word used for God in Genesis 1-1 is the name Elohim, Elohim. Elohim is a Hebrew word and it means mighty one, strong one. And this morning we're going to look at Elohim, the mighty one, the strong one. Let me tell you a couple things about this name before we get into it. The name Elohim is not a specific or a proper name for God. It's more of a general name for God. Elohim is just God. In fact, Elohim in Scripture sometimes describes pagan gods, false gods, foreign gods. Sometimes it describes angelic, spiritual, supernatural beings. It's, it's just kind of an overarching generic term for God. In the New Testament, uh, the, the generic term for God is theos, where we get the word theology. 
Again, it's just the generic term for God, but when we see God first appear in Scripture, he is Elohim, the mighty one, the strong one. To differentiate between Elohim, the one true God, and Elohim, other lowercase g gods in Scripture, the writers of the Bible give us Uh, through the inspiration of the Spirit, some specific uh, ways to to know who the one true Elohim, the one true God is. Here's what Psalm 95 verse 3 says. The Lord is a great God, that is Elohim, a great king above all gods, Elohim. Same word, but there's the one true God and then there's pagan lesser gods. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 20 says, Lord, there is none like you, and there is no God, Elohim, besides you, as all we have heard confirms. Then Isaiah 46, verse 9 says this, I am God, Elohim, and there is no other. I am God, Elohim, there is no one like me. So this first word, this first name that we're going to look at for God is the name Elohim. Elohim means mighty one. Right in the beginning of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, the first verse, we see Elohim introduced to us. And for uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, every time we see the word God, it's the word Elohim. In in Genesis chapter 3, we we see a new name for God introduced as we come to know him more personally. But in the beginning, he is Elohim. And this morning, here's what I want us to know about Elohim. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And so we can know this morning that Elohim is creator. Elohim is creator. Our God is creator the creator, Elohim. Because God is the creator, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the rest of Genesis chapter one gives us the account of God speaking life into existence and and the, the laws of nature into existence. Because God is creator, and, and again, this morning I'm not gonna, this is not science class and we're not gonna debate whether God truly created or not, He did. I I stake my life on the truth of God's word. God is creator. He spoke life into existence. And if you want to have a conversation about it, we can do that later. But this morning, we're going to take God's word, what it says. And because God is creator, he has determined the laws of nature. Because God is creator, because Elohim, the mighty one, is creator, he has determined the laws of nature. That's why Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, God says, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed according to their kinds, and it was so. In verse 14, it says, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years. When God spoke life into existence, creation into existence, he set in place these natural laws. Plants produce plants that are like themselves, right? We don't get apples from orange trees, and we don't get grapefruits from banana trees, right? 
bananas. Just needed to throw that in there. Thank you, Eric. Because there's laws of, of nature, how things work. Plants need water, and they need sunlight in order to grow. And if you take the light and the water away, then they shrivel and die. We need oxygen to breathe, and if we don't have oxygen, then we can't survive. There are certain unavoidable, inalienable laws of nature. Verse 14 tells us that God put lights in the sky, and they determine the days and the seasons, right? As the earth rotates around the sun, we, we have different seasons, and we have summer, and we have fall, and we have winter, and we have spring, Except in Florida, we have summer and then summer and then summer and then, and then rainy days like this. No, but, but the seasons don't change. They are determined. It's a law. Sir Isaac Newton told us that what goes up must come down, right? It's the law of gravity. And we have the laws of thermodynamics that tell us that an object in motion stays in motion, but eventually that motion will decay unless an outside force comes and exerts force on that object. There's certain laws that exist. Two plus two always equals four. Because Elohim is created, he set in place all of those laws of nature, these true things that are inevitable. But because he's creator, he also set the moral law into place. He established the moral law as well. Not only the laws of nature, but also the moral law. Right? When we see things that we know are not right, that's because God has put eternity in our hearts. That's because God has put a moral law in our hearts. And there are cultural differences in how we see the world, and there's some cultural faux pas that are not cultural faux pas in other places, but the, the sense of justice, the sense of right and wrong, the sense of it being wrong to exploit others, those are universal things. They're moral laws. And those have been set in place by the creator, Elohim. He determined the moral law. In fact, without a creator... We have no basis for moral outrage. We have no basis for saying that's not fair, that's not right, that's not just, that's not kind. We have no basis for being outraged by genocide or exploitation or human slavery or the Holocaust unless there's a creator. Because otherwise... There is no morality. If the world is really just about Darwinian evolution, and it's just the survival of the fittest, then only the strong survive, and that's all there is to it. The strong eat the weak. There's no morality to that. And without a creator, we can't say, hey, 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 that's not fair. You can't do that. That's just what... Nature does if we think that's all there is to it. Because we have a creator, he determined the laws of nature. But he also determined the moral law. But also, 
because he is creator, life has meaning. Just like this idea of the moral law without it, right? We have no basis for our objections to unfair treatment or to injustice. Because there's a creator, we can also see that there's meaning, that there's more than just our 70, 80, 90, 100 years on earth and then it's all over. There's meaning, there's significance. Science can answer a lot of questions about how things work. Science can tell you how, uh, how processes happen, but science can't tell you why they happen, right? Science can't tell you why things exist. Why do humans have consciousness? People are trying to figure it out based on human reasoning, and there's just not a good reason. <laughs> How is it that we can understand nature? All of these transcendent existential questions of life, they have significance and they have meaning. Life has purpose. Uh, look, Science can tell us how things work, and so some in culture say, well, since science can tell us about this, then we've got it figured out, and we don't need a creator because we already know how it works. That's not a good argument because somebody, not me, but somebody could tell you how a computer works, <laughs> Right, I'm sure some, somebody in the tech booth up there could come and tell you about, you know, binary coding and they could tell you about semiconductors and processors and, you know, whoosie what's-its and gobbledygook and all, all that stuff. Somebody could explain to you the processes that happen, but that doesn't mean that somebody didn't create it. It also doesn't answer the question, why did somebody create it? Microsoft Windows is kind of the ubiquitous operating system in the world, and so if you want to know why somebody created it, I guess you got to go to Bill Gates and ask him why, and maybe it's so that he could be the richest man in the world. <laughs> maybe it's because he just was driven by discovery and building things. But there's a why. If you want to know the why, you have to go to the creator, to the source. It's not enough just to understand how something functions. But if we want to understand why, then we have to go to the source. So because God, Elohim, is creator, he's determined the natural law of the universe. He's also determined the moral law of the universe and because of that, life has meaning because Elohim, the mighty one, is the creator. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the spirit of God, Elohim, was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then Elohim said, Let there be light, and there was light. Elohim saw that the light was good, and Elohim separated the light from the darkness. Elohim, God, called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning, one day, the first day. 
So this morning, because Elohim is creator, Elohim is also transcendent over his creation. Transcendent is a fancy word that just means he's above it. If he created it, he's over it all. He is above it all. He is transcendent. Before there was time, before there was matter, before there was space, before there was any of it, there was God in the beginning, Elohim. He existed before time existed. That's like crazy to think about. If you think about it too long, you start to go a little bit insane. <laughs> the reason for that is, is because Scripture says, who can know the mind of God? As the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways because he is transcendent. He is holy. He is set apart. He's over it all. Because he's transcendent, we don't always understand his ways. Uh, the author C.S. Lewis, who, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, some of you are familiar with that. He was also a, a, a dedicated Christian, and he defended his faith. He wrote a work called Mere Christianity, which is, which is an important work in understanding and, and defending our faith. He wrote lots of books, and uh, he wrote an, another small series of books called the Space Trilogy. And it's, uh, it's just kind of a fictional story that tries to help us understand God's creation and the fall of man. And he describes, uh, he describes God in this one section of the first book. And he, he talks about this idea of God being above time and space. He talks about light. Right? The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. That's pretty fast. And if God created light, then, then he's transcendent above it. He, he's faster than that, which is what? We don't even see light. We see things that light exposes. You see me because the light has hit me. You don't see the light. When it's dark, it's dark. And when the light comes on, you don't see the light. You just see all of the things that are illuminated by the light. And if God is outside of that, is faster than that, is transcendent above that, then the idea that he could be in all places at all times, omnipresent, because he's faster than light. I, look, He's transcendent. We use words in scripture like omnipresent. He's in all places at all times. In the psalm, David says, where can I go to escape your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go to the east, you're there. To the west, you're there. Because he's transcendent. Omnipresent. We use words like omnipotent, all-powerful. He has all power. In his hands. We use, use a word called omniscient. He knows it all. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows our thoughts. He knows our anxious heart because he is transcendent. I, I've also heard trying to understand the supernatural God, like Somebody in two-dimensional reality trying to understand three-dimensional reality. 
right? If the words on this screen were trying to understand, we, we have two dimensions. We have, we have distance. I don't know what the 3Ds are. Here's what I know. That TV can't understand depth. For this TV, this is all there is. Whatever's right there on the screen. Outside of the screen, all of us. Can't comprehend. And for us, we are finite human beings. When we try to make sense of an infinite supernatural God, man, our explanations and our thoughts and our words can't express the glory of the mighty one, Elohim. Because he is transcendent, he has the power to restore. Genesis goes on to tell us that the world that God created became broken because humanity wanted to be like God and tried to take things into their own possession and control. And the order of God's world was broken. The moral law that God set in place was broken. And things began to decay and to deteriorate. Because God is transcendent, he's the only one who can restore the brokenness of his original creation. In fact, in the New Testament, when we see Jesus doing miracles and healing the blind and, and casting out demons and healing lepers, he is restoring things back to the way God intended them to be. And only the mighty one, Elohim, can restore his creation because he is the creator. Something that is broken cannot fix itself. Something that is broken cannot mend itself. Only the mighty one, Elohim, can mend what is broken. And because he is transcendent, because he is over it all, he can step in to restore Not only that, because he is transcendent, he can also forgive. Because he established the moral law to tell us what is right and what is wrong, what is just and what is unjust, only he has the power to truly forgive. Because when we break the moral law, I might sin against you, but ultimately my sin is against God, the one who set the moral law into place. There's a story in the New Testament about this man who can't walk. Jesus is preaching inside of a house and, and teaching, and uh, this guy has four friends, and they want to bring him to Jesus so that Jesus can restore him, can restore his power to walk. But they can't get in the house, and so it says that they go up on the roof, and they tear the roof off, and they lower this guy down into the house. This man who, who wants his ability to walk, to be restored. And as he's being lowered into the house, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, if I'm the guy that wants to walk and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not why I came. I mean, that's nice, but I want to walk. And other people in the room say, only God can forgive sins. What do you mean his sins are forgiven? If I went and punched Corey in the face... 
Noel is sitting right next to Corey, and it would be really weird for Noel to say, Dustin, I forgive you for punching Corey in the face. <laughs> Corey's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but because God is transcendent, he is the only one who can truly forgive. Corey can forgive me, but his forgiveness doesn't restore the bruise on his face. Noel can say he forgives me, but that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> but when God says you, for, you are forgiven, he's the one who truly has the power to forgive. When he forgives, he can restore what is broken. He can take our guilt and truly remove it. Because he is transcendent, because he is the one who established the law the moral law. He's transcendent. He has the power to restore and he has the power to forgive. And up to this point, we're, we're coming to see who this Elohim, this mighty one is. He is the creator and he is transcendent. He set the laws of nature into motion and the moral law into motion. He has the power to restore and he has the power to forgive. And our response to this transcendent creator must be submission. You're the creator. You set the laws into motion, and so I submit to your laws. You are transcendent. You are above all, and so I, you are above me, and so I submit to you. That alone is not super hopeful, right? That's just submission. In fact, that's what most religion is all about. There is a God, and we must submit to him in order to earn his favor, in order to earn his love, in order to earn his restoration or earn his forgiveness. But Elohim, our mighty God, our transcendent creator goes beyond that. Here's what Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26 says, then God, Elohim, said, let us make man humanity in our image, according to our likeness, and they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, Multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on earth. Elohim is creator. He is transcendent. But in this passage, we see that he's also personal. He said, let us make man, humanity, in our image. Not like the birds and not like the fish and not like the trees and not like the land and the sea. The pinnacle of God's creation. The only ones that bear his image. You and me. It was personal. It wasn't just powerful. It wasn't just transcendent. When he created man and woman, we were created in his image. To bear his image. To reveal his glory. Glory. 
Genesis chapter 2, we see that this man and woman who were created in the image of God chose to rebel against the transcendent creator. They were deceived into believing that they could be like him. So they disobeyed and turned their back. Here's what Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 say. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? Goes on, and the man and woman say, we, we heard you, and so we hid because we're naked and we were embarrassed. When mankind rebelled and turned his back on God, the natural order and the moral law of God was broken and things began to decay and spin out of control. This personal God who created humanity for a personal relationship came to walk and to talk, to spend time with the man and the woman in the garden. But now because they had broken his laws, they hid from him because they were afraid, they were ashamed. He says, where are you? Where are you? Genesis goes on to tell us that they confess. They confess to breaking God's law. And Adam, the man, says, Eve, my wife made me do it. (laughs) And then Eve, the wife, says, well, the serpent made me do it. And already they're beginning to blame and they're beginning to try to cover their own tracks. Sin hits quick. God says, because of your sin, you're out of here. Can no longer be in this place. He tells them life's about to get hard. But God does this precious thing for them. He makes them some clothes out of the skins of an animal. And he gives this word of prophecy. He says to them, one day the serpent will be crushed, the one who deceived you. Because this personal God, who is the transcendent creator, was not just satisfied to be the transcendent creator set apart from his creation. But he got personal. Arthur talked about it as he was closing our time of worship. So in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 that I read just a moment ago, we see a new name for God introduced. Put those verses back up on the screen. Then the man and the wife heard the sound, it says, of the Lord God. That word Lord is a new name. It's Yahweh. Sometimes we we say Jehovah because God gets personal. He's not just the transcendent creator. He is a personal God. We'll look at that name more in the weeks ahead. But this transcendent God who set the laws of nature into motion and the moral law into motion, who is above it all, 
who can restore what is broken and who, who can forgive our sins and our trespasses. He got personal. Elohim, the mighty one. Told you the, the Greek word, that's the Hebrew word. The Greek word that's similar to Elohim, it's the same meaning, this idea of the mighty God is, is the word theos. So at the beginning of John chapter 1, we see this mighty one, Theos. He's introduced this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him, the almighty transcendent creator. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created, and in him was life. And that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome it because it is transcendent over the darkness. And verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observe his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. This morning, God is the almighty transcendent creator. You can fight against God all you want, but you will not win. <laughs> I heard it described this way before. God is like a lion. He needs no defense. Just open the cage. He'll defend himself. God is the almighty creator. He is transcendent above it all. The book of Acts, a priest is speaking prophetically and he's talking about the early church in Acts chapter five because these Jewish religious leaders, they, they wanna kill these disciples who are proclaiming the gospel and this man speaks up and he says, now wait a minute, just leave them alone. Because if it's of man, it will fail. But if it's of God, you can't stop it. And you may find yourself fighting against God. And that is an unwinnable battle, my friends. Because he is Elohim, the transcendent creator. And so we must submit to him. And if we don't, and we will find ourselves fighting against God, and that is an unwinnable battle, my friends. That's why Scripture says one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. Because he is the almighty God. But the almighty transcendent creator got personal. And he came to restore what was broken. And he came to forgive our sins. And because of that, we can know him. We can know his love. For God, Elohim, Theos, so loved the world that he created that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish 
but have everlasting life. I'm going to ask the band to come up because we're going to just take a few minutes and worship the name of the Lord as we close the service this morning. But as we begin our study of the names of God, we learn that he is Elohim, the mighty one, the almighty transcendent creator. There is no one like him. He is the God above all gods. He is the one true God. There is no other. But the almighty transcendent God created us in his image. He created us for relationship. And even though we broke that relationship, even though we transgressed his moral law, he made a way to restore what was broken and to forgive our trespasses because he's not just powerful. He's not just transcendent. He is imminent, as Arthur said. He is near. He's personal. So this morning, maybe you're even somebody who says, yeah, 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 I believe there's a God. Sure, I look around and I, I see the world and there must be something at the bottom of all of it. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I can't know him. This morning, I, I want to tell you that the hope of the gospel is that you can know him. That he has revealed himself to us. That he has made his dwelling among us. And he is full of grace and truth. This morning, if you've never come to a place where you have met, put your faith in, begun a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, today can be the day. Because he is transcendent, because he created the moral law, the fact that we break it every day through our selfishness and our pride, our sin, it separates us from him. But only he was worthy to forgive us for those sins. And he did that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who was God in human flesh, to die on a cross to take the penalty for our sins so that through his payment, our debt could be erased. Our breaking of that moral law that he set in place. And when we put our faith in the work of Jesus on the cross, we will be saved. If that's you this morning, you say, I need to come to that place of salvation. Today can be your day. Why don't you just bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you that you are the almighty creator, that you also became personal for us. Lord, I, I pray that, that we would submit to you as the almighty God. God, I also thank you that in that moment of submission, we come to understand your love, and you 
Lord, forgiveness. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who needs to know you in that way, that you would draw them to yourself through your spirit. Pray in Jesus' name. Just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask this question. Is there anybody who says, I need to know God not just as creator but as savior this morning? Is there anybody like that who says, I need to put my faith in Jesus? If that's you, just put your hand up so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody like that at all? Amen. Well, by your testimony, this is a room full of people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So why don't we do this? Let's stand up and exalt his name together. You are worthy, Lord. Be exalted. Come, let us exalt his name together. Just your voices now. Yes. I will Praise be to God this morning. Yes, let's give the Lord the praise. He is worthy. That's the song we're going to be singing for eternity as believers. It's never going to get old. Just think about that for a second. Praise be to God for all that he is doing in our church. I want to remind you of one thing before we get to the announcement video. We're actually going to have a seven days of prayer this week. And it's leading up really to our outreach event. And it's just, there, it's just a prayer through the parable of the banquet, just looking to God's word and, and praying, God, give us your heart for the lost and the broken in our community. So 
uh, join us on Facebook. It's going to be on Facebook at 8 p.m. So I think everyone's available at that time, unless it's your bedtime. So you can always watch it the next day. But on Facebook at 8 p.m. for the next seven days. So please join us in prayer if you could. We're going to show this announcement video. Then after the announcement video, you are dismissed, okay? So try not to leave before the announcement video because it's worth it. Uh, but let me pray and then the announcement video will play. Lord, thank you for all that you've done this morning. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that your name is on our lips. Thank you for Pastor who reminded us of our God, Elohim, the mighty one, the creator, who is transcendent and yet imminent, who made a way for personal relationship with him. Wow. Let us marvel in that truth. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Watch this quick video.